0: everyone is welcome. Again, get your discounted ticket at themaverickshow.com slash Latino. And as soon as you do, send me a DM on Instagram at Matt Bowles Maverick. Let me know that you're coming so that we can make plans to link up in person. And now here's a clip of what's coming up on today's episode.
1: And I went there and of course it was absolutely amazing. So ridiculously stupid safe. Um, Women are treated exceptionally there. I had the time of my life and I learned Arabic and I learned about Muslim culture and everything. And just more than that, I learned like Tigrinya, which is like an Ethiopian language and Tamil, which is an Indian language. Like I just learned so much. And I just use that experience as a reminder to myself that you never know until you go. And that's lasted with me. I mean, that's gonna last with me my entire life. People are a lot kinder than the media or the stories make you think. Like the negative is always more memorable than positive. I have always been able to find help or suggestions when I've needed it. So go for it and find out for yourself.
0: is the Maverick Show, where you'll meet today's most interesting real estate investors, entrepreneurs, and world travelers, and learn the strategies and tactics they use to succeed. And now, here's your host, Matt Bowles. Hey, everybody. It's Matt Bowles. Welcome to the Maverick Show. My guest today is Gabby Beckford. She is a Gen Z travel and lifestyle entrepreneur. Gabby is a marketing strategist, content creator, TEDx speaker, and the founder of Pax Light, an all-inclusive travel resource to empower young people to seek risk, seize opportunity, and see the world. She shares travel tips as well as opportunities for her 365 membership group to travel to countries like Russia and Azerbaijan, completely funded. Abby has tens of thousands of followers on social media and provides inspiration, entertainment, positivity, and empowerment, particularly to Generation Z. Her Young Travelers Network Facebook group has nearly a thousand young travelers aged 16 to 26 years old who share their travel stories, plan in-person meetups, and connect with other global young travelers. Gabby's mission is to empower other young people to see the world now by changing what they see as possible with money, opportunity, and ability. Gabby is also a founding member of the Black Travel Alliance and is committed to amplifying Black narratives in the travel space. Gabby took her first solo trip at age 17 to Iceland and never truly came home. During college, she won more than $70,000 in scholarships, which helped her study in Dubai for a year and then continue to travel the world. She has spent time in over 30 countries, giving a TEDx talk on delusional confidence and been featured in publications such as Good Morning America, The New York Times, Travel and Leisure, Essence, and Business Insider. Gabby, welcome to the show.
1: Wow, what an intro. Thank you, Matt. Thanks for having me.
0: I am so excited to have you here. Let's just set the scene a little bit and talk about where we are and what we're drinking because we agreed that this interview would also be a wine party. So I am actually recording this today from the mountains of Western North Carolina. I am in Asheville and I have just opened a bottle of Australian Shiraz. Where are you and what are you drinking today, Gabby?
1: Nice. That sounds awesome. I am in Fairfax, Virginia, not too far from you, actually. And I'm drinking a lovely Sauvignon Blanc.
0: That is amazing. I lived in D.C. for about seven years, spent a lot of time in Fairfax, have a lot of friends in that area. So much love for that part of the United States. But I'd love to get into your background story and just kind of open this up with where you grew up and how your interest in travel developed as you were growing up.
1: Yeah. So I grew up I say everywhere. When people ask me where I'm from, I just kind of get a headache Uh, because I grew up in a military family, like many DMV people. Uh, My dad was an active duty Marine for 23 years. So I was born in San Diego, moved to Kansas City, Virginia, Japan, and then back to Virginia. That was all the military travel. Then I traveled by myself afterwards, moved to Dubai and things like that. So I grew up everywhere. My love of travel, of course, came from my parents. My mom was a travel agent for 25 years. And then with my dad, my grandparents on both sides somehow love to travel. Like it's just been a family affair forever. So I grew up in and out of airports. I remember my dad, like we would show up at the airport and he's like, all right, find our gate. And I'm like, seven. I'm like, oh God. So it's just, it's been a lifestyle. <laughs>
0: That's awesome. Well, tell me about this Iceland trip that we just mentioned in the intro. I know that was a pretty pivotal moment for you, but what happened on the Iceland trip?
1: Yeah. So I had graduated high school from Stafford, Virginia, which would be very surprised if anyone's ever heard of it. Very small town in Virginia. And I just felt like I needed something to shake me up. I had accepted to go to a college VCU go ramps go an hour away from home. So I knew it wasn't gonna be a big difference. I was like, I'm still in my small town. I'd love to travel like, oh, so I need something to shake it up. So I went to Iceland by myself, 17 years old, wasn't even sure if I'd be able to board the plane by myself, but I did. And it was an insane trip. It was August, so at least it wasn't freezing, freezing, but it was chilly And I decided somehow to go backpacking with a group of people I'd never met before. And I was the youngest by like eight years. And there was a miscommunication where I forgot my sleeping bag for the entire trip. So I was so freaking out. This other girl was so nice. She let me like sausage into her sleeping bag and we didn't tell anybody till the end of the trip. And it was just a, an insane trip, but it was awesome.
0: <laughs> what was the impact of it in terms of, you know, how that Uh, shape the trajectory of your life and what you chose to then do after that in terms of in terms of travel
1: yeah during that trip shoved into that sleeping bag freezing i hate the cold i don't know why i chose to go there super tired like out of my element unprepared all that stuff i was there and i just felt like oh my gosh in these hard conditions i'm the happiest i've been in years i'm so much happier even in this tough condition than i was sitting in bed at home so like I just realized that travel was it for me, that this is what makes me feel alive. So when I got back home, I was like, okay, how do I keep this going? Again, I'm going to college one hour away from home. My parents are definitely going to visit me and like remind me how at home I am. What am I going to do? So I just started my blog, which originally was called no matter where you are.com, super long name, and just to talk about it. And I just, From a very young age, I just knew if I talk about it somehow, it'll just keep happening for me or at least it'll stay in my life somehow. So I was like, let me just keep talking. And that turned into my blog, which turned into my business, which is now my life.
0: That's amazing. Let's talk about your study abroad year. You know, for me, I studied abroad for a year in Ireland and that was my first time living outside the United States. And that was completely transformative for me. I would love to hear, though, I know you're abroad, you studied in Dubai. I've been to Dubai a couple times, and I would love to hear both your impressions and reflections on Dubai, but also what that experience was like for you and what impact that had on you.
1: I love Dubai and I, I always use that experience Um, Because I was terrified moving to Dubai, especially like in 2016, the Middle East was just like this thing that was always said somehow in all capital letters. It was just this big, mysterious thing and somehow dangerous and things like that. That's why I chose Dubai is because it was so mysterious and I knew I wanted to see it for myself. And I just always think about what type of person or what where I would be if I hadn't have gone because it was so transformative to my life. I had so many things like it's dangerous. It's like shallow. There's no culture. It's a man-made city. You're not going to learn. I, I went to learn Arabic. They're not going to learn Arabic. No, like they speak too many different languages, all this negative stuff. And I went there and of course it was absolutely amazing. So ridiculously stupid safe. Um, women are treated exceptionally there. I had the time of my life and I learned Arabic and I learned about Muslim culture and everything. And just more than that, I I learned like Tigrinya, which is like an Ethiopian language and Tamil, which is an Indian language. Like I just learned so much. And I just use that experience as a reminder to myself that you never know until you go. And that's lasted with me. I mean, that's gonna last with me my entire life. Like it's only been three years since I came back from Dubai. And I just still use that as an experience to be like, you cannot assume anything.
0: Yeah. You know, one of the things that I love about Dubai that really stands out to me, you know, even compared to so many other places in the world that I've traveled, is how much diversity there is there in terms of foreign nationals from different places. So, you know, for folks that have never been to Dubai, the population of the residents of Dubai are 88% foreign nationals. It's only 12% Emiratis that live there. And those foreign nationals are from all over the world so it's like it's almost like what i love about new york city which is like it's like the whole universe packed into one city but the difference with dubai is that all those people from all around the world that are packed into that city many of them have just come there recently like within the last five to ten years you know so it's like you know, the cab driver might be from Pakistan and the person in the store might be from China and the person that sees you at the restaurant might be from Italy. And then, you know, you're hanging out with like Nigerians on the rooftop bar while you're getting drinks and you're just interacting with all of these people from around the world who have all come to live in that city. And it's just an amazingly diverse cultural experience that I think is very unique in the world.
1: Yep. You said it perfectly. Like it is, it is just like New York, but I feel like when, maybe international people or anyone goes to New York, you kind of have to integrate into New York culture. Whereas in Dubai, you come as you are and like you stay as you are. It's just, it's so raw, the different cultures that are there. I, yeah, I loved it. Awesome. I'll go back in a second. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's amazing. And then whatever kind of cultural experience you want to have there, you can. So if you want to go out to like a nightclub that's playing Arabic music, like you can do that. If you want to go out to a club that's playing Afrobeats, you know, it's all folks from, you know, Nigeria, like you can do that. If you want to go out to like, you know, there's just all these different cultural niches as well as all these different cultures coming together. It is a truly fascinating, fascinating place. So yeah, I I agree. And I I think sometimes you have to spend a little extra time there to really kind of get a deeper understanding of, of the dynamics of that city. So I think that's amazing that you spent the year there. And then after that, I mean, what were some of your other sort of travel experiences, travel adventures? You were telling me about that one time that it was your birthday and you decided to drive to the airport with your suitcase packed without a plane ticket. Tell me about that. What was that about?
1: Yeah, that was post Dubai. That was actually last year uh, in 2019 where I was living in Arlington and it was my birthday. I was working on a nine to five job, working as a quality engineer, doing that whole thing. And again, you just get kind of itchy, right? Like I was like, I think I just need to do something. And this had been something that was on my bucket list for a long time. Me and my friend Hanna. Hannah. She lives in New York. And I was like, you know what, we should do it. I think she drove down from New York, came to my apartment. And then at 4am, we drove up to BWI because it's the closest international airport. And yeah, we just walked in and we're like, hey, cheapest, funnest, most interesting place this morning, what can we do? And we ended up in the Virgin Islands for four days.
0: That's amazing. I love that sense of adventure that you have and how you roll. And of course, you documented the whole thing on your blog. And I watched that. That's really fun. Okay, so you mentioned at that point, you had a nine to five job. So what I want to ask you about now, Gabby, is your entrepreneurial transition right Mm -hmm. there's a lot of folks that have jobs they sort of dream about this entrepreneur thing and traveling the world thing and all of that but what was your process like you know in terms of how you thought about that the emotional process and then the actual transition how did you actually build up to that and then go through that
1: Yeah. One of my like tenets in life is to stay flexible. I think that's how the best opportunities come to you is like being able to pivot at the last minute. So I always say with my travels, people are like, where are you going next? I'm like, I don't know, wherever it happens. And I know it will happen. So it was pretty much that with my job. I came back from Dubai. I had one semester left at VCU. And I had just the same way I came back from Iceland. and was like, this is changing my life. I came back from Dubai. I was like, yeah, I'm not going to work in an office. There's no freaking way. (laughs) There's absolutely no way. I just knew I'd be miserable. So I committed to myself to work two years and use my math degree so my dad wouldn't kill me in my sleep. So I got my engineer job (laughs) to make everybody happy. Like, see, I did it. Ah." But I was secretly plotting to quit after two years. So this was three years in the making. February 2020 was always the plan. And, um, I hustled, I commuted an hour each way to Baltimore every single day, sat in that stupid Nova traffic and everything. And then I, yeah, quit my job. And then the pandemic hit.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You quit your job in February 20th and then the pandemic (laughs) hit. That's amazing yeah that's amazing so okay there's a couple things i want to ask about that before i (laughs) ask about the pandemic pivots and adjustments that you've made uh i just want to ask you about the transitionary moment right Mm -hmm. what was it that you did in the build-up to that what did you build up your your business on the side did you Mm -hmm. come up with a business plan did you you know how much did you have in place and structured for you to sort of jump ship, uh, you know, from your job into your business, versus you know how much of that was still kind of an, uh, you know an adventure that you were going to figure out on, on your way.
1: Yeah. So once I came back from Dubai, I plotted heavily. Like, all right, I'm going to do my two years, like my two years of jail time. Um, but while I'm in the slammer, I'm going to be like working out. So I committed fully to my blog. I would wake up at 4 a.m do blog stuff until 5am and get ready and then drive up to Baltimore get there at six 30. And then on my lunch break, I would voice the text, like the, use those apps to like write blog posts. And then on my drive down, I would do voice the text while I was in traffic and write blog posts. Like it was, like having two full-time jobs, absolutely, for like two years. So I committed fully to that. I took a blogging course, like a blogging 101 course, just so I would know really what was involved in the back end, the business end of blogging, like "Mm, taxes, and being an LLC and everything like that. So I did that in June 2019. I took that course. And then by February 2020, I had just slowly built up my Instagram followers. I think I had 10,000 followers by then. My Facebook group was thriving and just things like that just seemed like it all came together.
0: That's amazing. And you also gave a very recent TEDx talk on the concept of delusional confidence. I'm going to link up your TEDx talk in the show notes because I want everyone to watch it. But can you just share a little bit about what delusional confidence is and what your TEDx talk was about?
1: Yeah, I did that in November 2019. And delusional confidence is really about faking it till you make it. But I guess with, I don't know, a more, more logically, faking it till you make it. It's not like, all right, do your best. Just like put your heart into it. It's really like laying down the statistics of, okay, when my senior year of high school, I applied to a scholarship. I arrived at the scholarship ceremony. Thanks to the guy who organized it. And he was like, yeah, well, you know good for you. Like you're one of the only people who applied. And I was like, that's weird. <laughs> what do you mean? And he's like, well, there are 14 scholarships and only 12 people applied. So I mean, of course you would win it. And just I like, that's the moment that really sparked everything for me. Like what the heck? Number one, how many amazing opportunities, not scholarships, not just travel things, but just in life, how many opportunities to meet Beyonce or to move to Dubai and teach English or whatever uh, exists that we just don't know about. And number two, how many people are just not showing up to them like because of confidence or because they don't know about them, whatever the case. So that became my life's mission to just find... Out about these things, like be perpetually open to these opportunities coming to me. And then number two, just apply to them ridiculously. I applied to 200 scholarships, I think, my high school year. I won six of them, which is not a great percentage, but it ended up being $70,000. So that's just my own testament to delusional confidence is just about just, I don't know, being statistically in as many places as possible online and physically to be in a position to be found by opportunities and then not being afraid when you're confronted by them. I just, right before this podcast, I was recording an audition video to be on a TV show because they reached out to me. I'm like, okay, I'll do that. So yeah, that's what it's all about.
0: That's amazing. (laughs) Can you talk a little bit, Gabby, about sort of how you roll when you travel? I mean, first of all, you do a whole bunch of adventure travel stuff and I would love for you to share. I mean, you've been skydiving and like that, that kind of stuff. So I would love for you to share sort of the types of things that you look for or the types of trips that you structure when you go out and plan a trip for yourself.
1: So like I mentioned before, I try to stay open and flexible, which can really just mean Some, one of my friends from study abroad lives in France and she's like, hey, my family's going on vacation. We need a house that are, will you come to France? I'm like, well, I guess that's my summer. Uh, I really try to roll like that. Uh, But maybe it's a proponent of being young and being like, what could go wrong? Um, But I really try to live like that. And otherwise, I like to say, I'll try anything once. So if it's new, I want to do it. Whether a new, like there's a Louvre museum that opened in Abu Dhabi. I would go to Abu Dhabi just to see that museum. Or if there was like, I ate frog legs in, um, Pembroke, Virginia just last week. And I would never have gone to Pembroke otherwise, but I'll try some frog legs. Um, so yeah, I'm really always looking for something new that will challenge me and help me grow as a person. If that makes sense. It's just fun. I want to feel something new.
0: For sure. For sure. Yeah. Did you get to Abu Dhabi when you were in Dubai? I assume you visited, right?
1: I did. I did the grand mosque, but the Louvre wasn't there when I was there. And now I see everyone's going to it and I'm jealous.
0: Right, yeah, I did the Grand Mosque as well. I mean, is that not one of the most extraordinary, awe-inspiring pieces of architecture on the planet of Earth? I mean, you just go to the uh, uh, the, the Sheikh Zayed Grand Mosque there in Abu Dhabi, and it is just—I mean, I tell people to plan an entire day around it.
1: Oh yeah, no, massive and like mystical somehow. Like all the white walls just seem so luminous. Yeah, it's like an—it's an experience for sure.
0: It's incredible. And then did you do some other trips when you were based in Dubai to some other places around the region? And what were those like?
1: Of course, you know, I had to. I went to Sri Lanka on a Groupon. That's one of my favorite stories is that me and two friends found a Groupon and we're like, okay, we'll try it. And no, it was amazing. Private driver, five-star hotels, insanely amazing, like awesome. So I did a Groupon to Sri Lanka, went to Oman, got lost in a canyon, went to the Netherlands. Where else did I go? One more place. My brain's not working.
0: I know you've been to Turkey. Was that part of your Dubai experience or was that another time?
1: No, that was actually right before I went to Dubai. 2016 was a big year for me. I went to Turkey and Kenya, I think that summer.
0: (laughs) Nice. Istanbul is one of my favorite cities in the world. What was your impression of Turkey? How was your time there?
1: My memory of it um, is that we had just gone right after one of the bombings. Like we had booked mm. it and then the 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 Ataturk airport had a bombing and we were like, oh God, this is what people warn us about. We're going to be like miserable. And then of course you get there and it's the most beautiful city in the world. And right. you go to, yeah, of course. I'm like, why do I let this fear mongering do this to me? Oh my God. The market, that huge, the Grand Bazaar, insane. Yeah. I did spend, I think re- like hundreds of dollars on stuff that I didn't need, but I wanted really bad. So no, it, 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 an insane experience. The blue mosque was insane. And I was just, I was, what, 21 or 22 doing these things, and it just blew my mind.
0: Isn't it amazing? Like, the Blue Mosque, when you stand on the green there between the Blue Mosque and the Hagia Sophia, and they have the call to prayer, and it's, like, the most harmonious thing you've ever seen, and you're just like, this is, like, next level. And then the food in Istanbul. I mean, just the whole thing. It's just, a, it's just bonkers. I mean, it's an amazing city.
1: Yeah, and it's on the sea, so you get the sea and the land. And, yeah, definitely one of those cities that is a crossroads, like, what I learned about it. You learn about like the Christianity and the Muslim intersection. I just love those types of, those types of cities that are so unique. You're never going to find an Istanbul anywhere else in the world. You'll never find a Dubai anywhere else in the world. Yeah. I love it.
0: It's amazing. And then I want to hear about your Kenya trip too. I did, I spent a month in Nairobi in 2018 and I did the oh, safari in Masai Mara and uh, all of that, but I would love to hear about your experience there in Kenya. And what are your reflections on that trip?
1: We did a similar trip. Uh, we stayed in Nairobi, me and my mom, uh, for a month, and during that time, we went on a, a saf- we went two safaris. One was called Kiangazi, and then the other one was Amboseli, uh, which is where they really had the elephants. So it was incredible. Um, one thing that I I love to tell people is that the safaris are nothing like Nat Geo makes you think they are. There's no like adrenaline pumping music. There's no close ups on the cheetah's face. It's pretty much like a very quiet grassland. And then you occasionally you see like a lion. (laughs) I love that.
0: Right. That's awesome. Well, I know you also do a lot of solo travel, Gabby. And I wanted to just ask if you have any tips, particularly for female solo travelers who are starting to or considering traveling the world by themselves.
1: Yeah, talking about solo female travel is always interesting, because it's not a monolith, like everyone has so many different experiences. And I think being young really shapes my perception of it. I use social media and technology very heavily in my solo travels. Before I go anywhere, I will join a Facebook group because I just know one exists. I'll be like, "Mm, Montana, Facebook girls travel group, and I know it exists. I just know it. so I'm gonna join it. And then I'll ask a few questions and get to know someone there. And then someone always is like, hey, if you need anything while you're here, let me know. And I personally just love having that little connection in any city I'm in. I've never had to call on anyone for like emergency reasons, but it just makes me feel better being on the plane and wandering around by myself that like, okay, I have Stephanie's number. If all hell breaks loose, I'm going to call Stephanie if something's going to happen. So I just love to do that. Yeah, traveling by yourself. My only advice is that even now with the pandemic and everything, People are a lot kinder than the media or the stories make you think like the negative is always more memorable than positive. I have always been able to find help or suggestions when I've needed it. So go for it and find out for yourself.
0: That's amazing. One of the other things that you and I have in common, Gabby is that we both travel the world with carry on luggage only.
1: Ah. I've
0: actually done workshops on minimalist packing and how to do it for long term world travel. Cause I'll travel the world for a year with carry-on luggage only. And I'll do workshops on sort of some of that strategy that I've developed, how to kind of do that. But I would love for you to give any minimalist packing tips that you have, particularly for women that want to do carry-on only.
1: So for my women, my carry-on only journey is definitely impacted by the fact that I need to take pretty photos. Like, and most women want pretty photos. Like, no shame on that. I want my pretty photos. So what I always try to do is pack one base color. So I'll pack all black pants, shirts, dresses, all that shit. And then I'll pack like colorful scarves. And the scarves are usually low space, low volume, and I'll shove those into care. What are they called? Vacuum travel bags. Those little travel yep. those yep. gun bags. So I'll shove those into those and that shit saves a lot of space. But it allows me to rewear all my shit all the time while making it look like a new outfit. So I'll wear a dress with this one red scarf. And then I'll switch to a black top and black pants with this blue scarf and the red scarf. Like just that. So that's one of my biggest tips is like accessorize the hell out of your wardrobe and pack really basic basics. And then shoes are tough because for me, one day I want to go skydiving. One day I want to go hiking. So it's like, damn, I need a lot of pairs of shoes. But I'll usually have a carry on backpack backpack where I can tie the bigger shoes with laces on the outside of it. And so you don't have to put your hiking boots at the bottom of your bag and take up 10 liters of space. So those are my bigger tips. And if all else fails, you can buy basics wherever you go so don't bring your freaking ball gown to be in santorini to get that photo like you can probably get it there
0: that's really good advice (laughs) i love that gabby you are also a founding member of the black travel alliance can you talk about the black travel alliance a little bit and what that's all about
1: Yeah. The Black Travel Alliance was established in May 2020, so just this year, following the murder of George Floyd in America. And that really, I think, shook the Black travel space and just being like a Black human space um, about what we can do in our own communities to make sure that we are being seen equitably and our voices are being heard so the black travel alliance was literally swept up in a hurricane in like one day a bunch of us said we want to do something we want to make an impact we're like all right let's do it then and now we're filing for our nonprofit and everything it's really incredible there are 19 founding members and of all ages and niches and generations but we are all in the travel space and our goal is to amplify a lie like you know build community and then hold accountability to the travel space a lot of these brands speak diversity when it's popular but not so much on the action side and we're here to be the follow up to be like, hey you said this on November 15th we have the rece-
0: I want to take just 1 minute out to let you know that in addition to hosting the Maverick show I am also the co-founder of Maverick Investor Group a real estate brokerage that helps you buy turnkey rental properties in the best US real estate markets from Anywhere, So these are single family homes, sometimes two to four unit properties, and they're either brand new or fully renovated, and they already have tenants and local property management in place. So you get all the benefits of owning the deeded real estate, that physical house, the hard asset without the headaches of being the landlord or the rehabber or needing to live near the property. So I want to offer you a free consultation. If that sounds interesting to you to learn more about it, you can just go to the maverickshow.com slash consult. And now back to the episode.
1: See, what are you doing now? You know, and hopefully implement some long-term change.
0: That is awesome. I think you're doing amazing work there. And I also want to ask if you can talk a little bit about one of your blog posts. Um, I think it's a really important blog post. and I'm going to link it up in the show notes because I want everyone to go read the full post. And the title of the post is Bring Black Lives Matter into Your Travels, How to Be a Better Ally. So I'm going to link that up in the show notes. I want people to go read the whole post uh, on your site. But I was wondering now if you can just talk through what some of the main um, points and suggestions that you had were in that article for how people, uh, you know, how white folks who are travelers can be a better ally to black travelers.
1: Yeah. I wrote this blog post because I know personally how much I use travel to detach from the issues of America. Like <laughs> when it's an election, I literally run because, I just don't like I do my part and I don't want to be stressed out by it. But the respect and importance of black lives is not something that you should run away from. And Black Lives Matter movement just may seem like another political movement in the US that you can, you know, avoid by going to Hawaii or going to Puerto Rico and being like, "Oh, I'm gonna leave that behind. But please don't leave it behind. Um, There are black people everywhere. And every single one of them has a right to life. So that's why I wrote it. And some of just some of the common sense and maybe not so common sense tips that I brought were um, devote time and money to places that value diversity and inclusivity. And I started off with Giraffe Manor, which if you've been to Nairobi, like we just talked about with that, it's like a huge popular tourism spot, you travel there, you get to feed the giraffes while you're eating your breakfast, like great photo, love it. But they themselves came out in their policies by, by saying that they don't service local Kenyans and local, like basically the local black people, like we only want the rich black people or the rich white people like not you guys. Uh, And just those are just things that you don't think off the top of your head would be an issue. Like I'm in Kenya, I'm giving money to what I'm assuming is a black business. Like we're good, right? You're not good. You need to do your research and just look, take five minutes to go on the social media and check the news for any spot that you want to spend your money at. And maybe you'll see something that helps you change your mind. The other thing is definitely learning about the black history wherever you go. It's so unfortunate that history is always his story and the people who are usually the oppressors get to write the history books. And the Black history is just as much of a part of that location's history. It's usually swept under the rug because it's usually not so fun. But it's definitely worth learning about. It's always worth knowing the full story of the places you travel to. I usually call it full story instead of history because that's more (laughs) contextual. So seeking out black-owned tours, black-owned tour operators, you're in, I don't know, Wisconsin, what black history could be here? Next thing you know, you're going to find out that something was invented there or a civil rights movement began there. And that that will just change your mind about what you consider to be black history because it's really everyone's history. So yeah, those are some of my top tips.
0: I mean, one of the other ones that you had in here that I I thought was really important, and I want to ask if you can speak to this one, was to go out of your way to be kind to black travelers. And can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, that one I think is a lot tougher to tell someone like, hey, if you see a black person, be nice. Um, (laughs) It's just never that simple. I would say I'm usually the only black person that I see if I'm traveling, like the only black American I'll say. So if I was in the Republic of Georgia, Definitely the only black person for like a thousand miles. I uh, didn't see a single black per- soul for like 10 days. It was ridiculous. And I think I had seen other American people there and maybe they just see me and are like, oh, another American went up Bye." And don't put much thought into the fact that I may feel like I'm very alone or I may feel like, is anyone gonna be nice to me? Like maybe I'm nervous being there. So I would always say, if you see a black traveler identifying themselves as a traveler somehow or just any black person, you really wanna be nice go out of your way, smile. Maybe if you're on a bus and your seat's next to you, maybe they're terrified that if they sit next to you, something, these are things that we have to think about. Can I sit next to this person without being harassed or assaulted or have them turn away from me and like be disgusted at the fact that I'm sitting here? Like these are things that I don't think other people have to think about. So if you can just preemptively squash those anxieties of ours and just be like, Hey, you can sit next to me. Hey, do you need any help? How's your day going? You just don't know how much that makes the day easier.
0: I think that is a really I, I wanted to just speak about that because I think that's a really important thing that white travelers can do and should be conscious and should be aware of. You know, I mean, I've talked to a number of folks had our friend, our mutual friend, Avita Turquoise Robinson on the show a couple of weeks ago. And one of the things that we talked about, which you also mentioned in your article is speaking up against racism whether or not a black person is in the room that was one of her major things you know that that she emphasized when we were talking about allyship and how you know white travelers can be better allies because there's a lot of you know, digital nomads and travelers and a lot of spaces that are congealing, you know, as heavily white dominated spaces. Right. And so I think these kind of discussions are super, super important for folks, you know, for white folks in particular who are traveling around the world. And then your final point was to support black owned businesses whenever possible. Right.
1: Yeah. And I actually to go back to the previous point, going anyway a way to be kind, you never know what that black person or any travelers going through maybe i've had a day of racism and like literally being assaulted with verbally assaulted physically assaulted you never know and you're trying to be nice to me and maybe i just shut you down maybe i'm like i just ignore you i've been curt or whatever and i've had a few people say that to me like oh well so i was nice to one person one time and they weren't nice back so i'll never be nice again (laughs) and i always try to shut that down with you never know what that person's going through and the point of kindness is not to get rewarded Like I shouldn't have to thank you for being kind. Like you probably just want to do that anyway. So I try to emphasize like that's the that's the asterisk on the be kind is like and not expect a thank you.
0: Right, exactly. And I think it's just general awareness about the way that institutionalized racism and institutionalized white supremacy functions globally. Mm -hmm. Right. So wherever you are, whether you're in the United States, I mean, good gracious in the United States right now should be incredibly obvious. But even when you travel around the world, just to be aware of the ubiquity of institutionalized white supremacy and the types of experiences that black folks are likely having. Right. And other folks, by the way, I mean, you know, anything you can do to throw up a solidarity sign to folks to let them know that you're safe and you're an ally, I think is important. Like for me, you know, I told you I lived in DC for seven years. Well, that was back in the day. And I lived in DC during the September 11th attacks back in 2001. Right. And what happened back then in DC was that there was a vicious targeting of Arabs and Muslims and South Asians, both by state violence through state violence in terms of people just being like swept up off the street, thrown into cars. I mean, it was crazy. And then also, of course, hate crimes and vigilantism, right? Which obviously we're, we're seeing a lot of that now as well. You know, and so one of the things that I did, because I, I have a lot of activist background, I've done a lot of Palestinian uh, human rights work and solidarity work over the years as well. So I have a Palestinian kufiya, mm-hmm. you know, that I wear. And so what I started doing literally on September 12th, as I would ride the metro around DC is I made it a point to wear my Palestinian kofiya every single day. And by doing that, it was a sign of solidarity that anybody who was Arab or Muslim or South Asian could see that. And they would know that I was a safe person. Right. Like, so I would sit next to them on the metro or or they would know it would be safe to sit next to me because like folks need to understand, like if you're not a white person and you see a white person, you have no idea. Yeah what type of white person that is i mean that's a white person that could harm you they could do violence to you they could you know they, they could say something mean to you they could physically assault you like you have no idea in a white supremacist society which is not just the united states i mean this is like you know the world we're talking about and so when you can throw up a sign or or make some kind of gesture to let somebody know that you're a safe white person and you're an ally and you're in solidarity with them That is really significant. And I think people anywhere, even in the United States, if you don't travel, let alone also when you're traveling to do that, I I think it's really important and significant.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely.
0: So I want to also turn a little bit to the business that you have founded, Pax Light, (laughs) in light of all of your amazing travel experiences and adventures that you left your job to do full time. But let's just start off talking about the name Paxlight. What does it mean and why did you choose that?
1: Like I had mentioned before, it was originally no matter where you are.com. And I regret that heavily. Uh, well, I'm glad I changed it, but dang, that thing was long. And I tried to make an email for it and I was like, Gabrielle Beckford at no matter where you are. It turned into like the alphabet. So I was like, all right, I need something short. And I just knew I would want it to make it meaningful. I kind of went about the name like a tattoo. Like, what will I not regret in five to 10 years? What's vague enough that I could you know, spin it into something else. If I said talk about like, I don't know, couples travel, or whatever. Um, and I came upon on Pax Light uh, for so many reasons. I always say it has two meanings, but it really has like eight. And that's why I love it so much. It has like layers on layers. So Pack Light is a Erica Badu song. So we in that for that reason, great song. And <laughs> but the other reason is that I pack light, obviously physically have carry on only. And that really has meaning in that I try not to place, too much value on material possessions and I don't know, physical worldly things, not being attached to things like physical things. And then mentally, I always try to pack light, leave the baggage at home. As I always say, mental baggage, stress, regrets, all that stuff that you can't change just to live a better life. So that's why I came to Pax Light is that we should always pack light and like kind of live light, live just lighter.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. So can you talk a little bit about Pax Light, your website, what you offer, the types of travel content and tips that you put out, as well as your membership group and the opportunities that you have for your members?
1: Yeah. So on the website, I have destination travel tips. Of course, I think I have tips for every continent at this point, which is pretty great. I also talk about opportunities, those scholarships that I won that we talked about at the beginning of this. I now pimp those out, literally pimp those out because um, I want as many people who, who who may not feel like they have access to travel to have access to it. So maybe last year I helped this, one of my followers go to Egypt for a world youth forum and she all she had to do was represent the U.S. perspective on an issue. She had like 10 days in Egypt, completely paid for and she's like, I'm a waitress, I literally would never have been able to leave this country, let alone go to Egypt, but this opportunity let me. And just that is my hit of heroin is hearing that like, I just love to hear that. Uh, I just want people to have as many experiences as possible. So I pimp those out, I give tips about applying to those on my blog, but the, that's what the membership is for really is for like the one-on-one coaching. And I know this girl, Rihanna is in my membership and she is a student, but she really is into African studies. All right. If I see one, I'm going to send it to her directly. And that's really what the membership is like that one-on-one connection where I know what you like and I can like custom send things to you and they win them. It's so great. And then on rest on the website, I talk about Black travel, youth travel, study abroad, what the heck study abroad is going to look like in the next few years because what the hell is travel looking like, budget travel and just things like that.
0: That is awesome. Can you also talk about your Young Travelers Facebook group and what that's all about?
1: Yes, I love my Facebook group. Oh, my God. I started, it I think, in 2016 just for my actual close friends, I think we were 20 people for a year or two. And I loved that. That was cool. And then it just started to grow in popularity. And I opened it up to my Instagram. And I was like, oh, you know, if you're young, specifically, I have the age range of 16 to 26. But I'm not the age police. So I'll probably be 27. And maybe I'll open it up a little bit more. But I'm not the age police. Anyone <laughs> <laughs> but it's really for that phase of life. Because 16 to 26, I feel like is such a ridiculously transitionary time of your life you're out of college, you're out of your parents' house, you're in college, you know what's going on, especially in the pandemic, what the hell's going on? Um, it's just supposed to be so people of that phase of life can get together and meet up and share tips and share stories and just make it apparent that everything's all right. And then we're out there. That's one thing that I was in high school. And I, like I said, I was in a really small town. And I was like, I just really wish I had had a community of people to tell me that I wasn't crazy. Like I would dream about going on spring break to Ireland and my friends would be like, yeah, we're going to PCB. And I'm like, Oh really? Like <laughs> Pacific beach again. Um, and I just felt like I was crazy. So I, I wish I had my own group back then to be like, no, there are other people out there who have, who have different interests too.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. I agree with you. I think it's so important to have uh, something with that specific age group where those folks can talk to folks and connect with folks at their same age that are doing amazing things or aspiring to do amazing things. I mean, what a great opportunity to have them connect and, and to have them inspired by other people that are peers. You know, that's incredible. Yeah. I love that. So, we're going to link all this stuff up by the way, folks, in the show notes. So, everything that we talk about here, you can just go to one place at the and go to the show notes for this episode and there you'll see links to all this stuff. So, if you're driving around or working out or whatever while you're listening, just it'll all be in one place. Gabby, I also want you to talk a little bit about the marketing services that you offer. You are a really impressive marketing strategist. Anybody that goes to your website or follows you on social media is quite aware of how impressive it is. I've been super impressed since I've been following you. And I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about how someone could work with you and what are the marketing services that you offer?
1: Yeah. So I have it... Split into the brand side and the creator side. So, on the brand side, I specifically work with Gen Z niche and Black travel niche. Those are my two big areas that I don't think people understand fully. So, I'm happy to help them with Gen Z specifically. There are a lot of things in marketing that are so outdated and so kind of lame that I just wish were refreshed and modern and that I know would appeal to Gen Z. Like, for example, we hate ads. We hate ads. We hate emails. Please stop emailing us. It's not going to happen. You should switch over to text message marketing. Like, please, I will answer a text. I'm on my phone all the time. Things like that. Businesses and brands may not think about to reach the Gen Z consumer. I got you. And then on the black travel side, especially in these days, there's so much tone deaf marketing, not to be offensive, but a lot of people are trying and failing, but we like to see that they're trying. But if you just had maybe more black people on your team, or maybe contracted a black marketing strategist like me could help you hit the mark a little bit more. So those are the types of things I offer for brands. I have hourly consultations, and like larger brand packages that they can email me for. And then for creators, Same thing, I want them to be as niche as possible in their businesses so that they can provide as much value and of course be successful businesses. So I just finished my first iteration of my, I call them interns, but really like they're my classmates, my students actually. I did weekly courses for them. I had guest speakers come in. I did all this stuff for them. and may turn that into a course that is like TBD. But yes, I help creators become the best creators that they can be too. And marketing is a huge part of that.
0: That's so awesome. All right. Now, I have got to ask you this. You alluded to it earlier. I've been postponing asking you this, but I want you to share the story of how COVID-19 has impacted your business. You said that you literally spent two years building up to jump ship from your corporate job yep. to your entrepreneurial venture. You did it in February of 2020. And yep. within the next month, COVID hits and you're in the travel space. Can you talk about what that experience was like and how you processed it mentally, emotionally, and then what your adjustments and pivots were?
1: Yeah, that was a doozy to you know, like things don't work out where like, you know, money is short or whatever, but to have a global pandemic that no one could have predicted, I had spent two years, there's nothing, go- nothing could go wrong. I planned this out perfectly, I saved a bunch of money. I have like, I don't know, strategized with my resume and all this stuff, like all these things. And then an actual pandemic, I was like, that's a plot twist. Didn't plan for that. that. That one was different. But yeah, that was huge. I planned out my three-year plan so that I would be 24 when this all happens, like when I quit my job, not the pandemic, uh, when I quit my job. So that strategically, if I, I knew that if I didn't make a dollar for the next year or two, I have a bunch of savings that I've been working on. I mean, I think since I was 15, I just have been saving, saving, saving. Um, and I could be on my parents' insurance until I'm 26. So I just <laughs> knew that worst case scenario, at least I'll have insurance if something terrible goes wrong. But yeah, that pandemic shut down travel pretty quick. I came back from a press trip the first week of March from Savannah, Georgia. And then at the end of that week, I was planning to buy my one-way ticket to Bali for the next week. Uh, And then I was inside for months, three months. So mentally, that was a lot to process. It's always hard to give up on your baby, your little goals and like what you expect life to be. I was like, are you sure I can't move to Bali? And it was like, oh, you can go to three countries with your American passport now. It's the weakest in the world. I'm like, all right, yeah, Bali's out. So was a lot to process (laughs) mentally. And then business-wise, you know, once I got past the mental part of it, and this is something that I speak to in my TED talk and in my delusional confidence workbook, that's part of delusional confidence is, if I want to say that I'm a person who is tactile and able to pivot, then I need to like walk the walk, like okay, this is happening. What can I do about it? Am I going to be able to change the pandemic? No. But I just know that every occurrence is not personal. It's always an opportunity. And I knew that there are are businesses in travel, like big businesses, like travel and leisure and Lonely Planet and GoPro and stuff like that, that want people to be traveling, but they can't right now. So like, what are they going to do? And I know that they are still businesses and still have money. So let me just figure out how to fill the opportunity hole that's there now, even though it may not be, you know, hopping between countries and how great the Wi Fi is, maybe it's, I'm at home for three months, uh, my mom and my sister are hogging up all the Wi Fi since we're all at home. But this product helps me use Wi Fi at my home and still talk about travel and things like that. So the thing that made me most successful during quarantine, I actually have had my most successful, profitable months by a long shot in quarantine, because I've been able to fill that hole and be proactive about it. Like I know that companies and businesses want content. I know that they want answers and no one has them. So if I'm just the first person who proposes something, proposes an idea or a concept, uh, they've been pretty quick to jump on it because, okay, someone in this fucking place needs to have an idea. And I'm like, oh, Like, okay, you let's go for it. And it's just, it's been about being proactive and, you know, delivering.
0: That's amazing. (laughs) I think you're amazing, Gabby. That is so awesome. Listen, are you ready to move into the final section, the lightning round?
1: Yes. Hit me with it.
0: Let's do it. The lightning round. All right. What is one book that has significantly impacted you over the years that you'd most recommend people check out?
1: The Four Hour Work Week by Tim Ferriss. For sure. Changed my life
0: changed mine too. I read it in 2007. The day it came out, Gabby, I'd just been fired Uh from my job and I was trying to start a business and I was going into the bookstore to read books on how to start a business. And that book came out and it was uh, an incredible adventure ever since, but that impacted me a lot as well. What is one travel hack that you use you can recommend?
1: You know what? I just shared this on my Instagram and people went crazy. I have an AARP card, that everyone is always talking about. But you do not have to be 65 to have an AARP card. So I have mine and I get discounts at hotels and restaurants and all this and like insurance and stuff. So get your AARP card, people. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is amazing that is an incredible travel hack i had no idea uh that's awesome <laughs> gabby what we are drinking wine right now you've literally been featured in magazines with wine in hand and all of this kind of stuff what is your absolute favorite number one type of wine
1: i am drinking a sauvignon blanc and i love white wine but actually my favorite i'll just have to be stereotypical and go for a merlot All
0: right, Gabby, who is one person currently alive today that you've never met that you would most love to have dinner and conversation with just an evening, you and that one person?
1: For sure, not even a question. Malala Yousafzai, easily.
0: That's an awesome answer. I love that. All right, Gabby, of the 30-plus countries and many places within those countries that you have so far traveled, what are your top three favorite travel destinations you've ever been that you would most recommend people check out
1: it has to be dubai that has to be one of them stockholm sweden i loved i don't know why i got the best italian food of my life there but i did also very metropolitan city and then i'm gonna have to go with okay maybe oh god the third one's always the toughest uh turkey yeah it'll have to be in istanbul i loved it great weather
0: That's a great pick. All right. Now, this is the final question. But you have, and I just want to tell people this because one of the things that I love the most about your website, there's a lot of stuff I love about it. One of the things I love the most about it is that you have an entire section of your website with your bucket list destinations listed out. And it's a giant long list and there's some epic stuff on there because I was reading through them and I was like, oh, yeah, that's oh, yeah. You know, a couple of them I've done, but some of them I was like, oh, yeah, I definitely want to do that. Um, So I want people to go to your website just to look at your bucket list destinations, not just even to see yours, but to inspire them to do their own. Because what a wonderful process to write out such an extensive list of the places you've never been that you want to go. I mean, that was incredibly inspiring and I love that exercise in general and that you've done it and publicized (laughs) it. But for this final lightning round question, Gabby, I'm going to ask you to pick your top three of all of that giant list. What are your top three bucket list destinations, places you've never been, you most want to go highest on your list.
1: Okay. So, so, okay. So yeah, the first one is definitely going to be the, to swim, in the biggest pool in the world, which is in Chile, I think it's like the San Alfonso del Mar. The um, Yeah, that's going to be insane. It's huge. It's huge. It's huge. Um, I think it would take 15 minutes to just get to the middle of it. So it's a pool. That's awesome. And I haven't been to South America that much aside from Colombia. So that carnival in a world without COVID, I have been dying to go to carnival, whether that's in Trinidad and Tobago or in Brazil, I have to do that. And then I think the last one... Is gonna have to be camping under the Aurora Borealis, the Northern Lights. I hate the cold, and it may take me, I may be in my 30s or 40s. Like, I really, really hate the cold, but I need to get up there to like Norway and just do that. It's a once in a lifetime thing.
0: That's amazing. Those are all really, really awesome picks. I did Carnival in Rio uh, about five years ago. Went to Rio, posted up for about two months. So I did Carnival, and then I did post Carnival, and it was a truly extraordinary, you know, once in a lifetime experience. So I highly, highly recommended Gabby. All right. At this point, I want you to let folks know how they can connect with you, follow you on social media, join your Facebook group. And if they're interested in your services, uh, how they can uh, find out more about that and connect with you.
1: Yeah, I am Gabby Beckford. I am packed Light on every single social media channel. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. I'm trying to get on TikTok. Like, I'm PaxLight on everything. So if you search me, you'll find me. You can find my membership if you're really into those ops and scholarships, like I mentioned, trying to travel the world for some free free. Go to PaxLight.com slash 365. That'll lead you to the page with more information. And yeah, PaxLight. You can find me on my website, go through my website. Let me know if you have any questions. I'm an open book. I am sure Matt knows that about me. I'm in my Instagram stories, just being casual as all hell. I'm very open. So just message me and I got you.
0: You are one of my favorite people to follow on social media. Your website is amazing. I want everybody to go check it out. We're going to link everything up in the show notes for how people can follow you, contact you, check out your site, watch your TED Talk, read your blog post, and all that good stuff, folks. That's going to be in one place at The Maverick Show Just go to the show notes for this episode. Gabby, I think you are amazing. I think you're doing amazing things. And I thank you so much for coming on the show. This was a blast.
1: Thank you so much. Thanks for having me.
0: All right. Good night, everybody. Be sure to visit the show notes page at TheMaverickShow.com for direct links to all the books, people, and resources mentioned in this episode. You'll find all that and much more at TheMaverickShow.com.